As a listener to Intelligent Medicine, you know that fish oil provides the vital omega-3s, EPA, and DHA that support your cardiovascular, brain, nerve, vision, immune system, joint, and skin health, as well as your inflammatory balance. My preferred fish oil brand is Vital Nutrients, offering a line of 11 ultra-pure omega-3 solutions, including soft gels, liquid, and enteric-coated options in a variety of potencies. Vital Nutrients even offers a high-performance and nutrient-dense vegan omega supplement option. Vital Nutrients' line of ultra-pure omega-3 solutions are held to the most rigorous quality standards in the industry, ensuring maximum freshness, purity, and potency. I use Vital Nutrients myself and recommend it to my patients. For more information and to order, call 888-328-9992. That's 888-328-9992. Or go to vitalnutrients.co. That's vitalnutrients.co for the Vital Nutrients line of Ultra Pure Omega-3 Solutions. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. We often talk about uh, the environment and how the environment uh, impacts our health. Uh, today, we're going to have a very, very important conversation about a new initiative to preserve our health via paying more attention to our environment, our food, our water, uh, regenerative agriculture. Uh, we're going to talk about a new initiative called Regeneration Health International. With us today is Michelle Perro. She's uh, graced our airwaves uh, frequently in the past. She's author of What's Making Our Children Sick. Uh, she is a pediatrician, an MD, uh, longstanding, with a particular concern for how uh, chemicals, uh, pesticides, herbicides, environmental contaminants, uh, and poor dietary factors are influencing the health of our young people. And so without further ado, uh, welcome back, Michelle. It's nice having you back on Intelligent Medicine. What a pleasure. Thank you, Ron. So much uh, fun talking with you. I always have a great time. Indeed. Well, this is very opportune because uh, you just launched, uh, in collaboration with uh, several other organizations, uh, a new in uh, initiative it's Regeneration Health International, and you can find out more at rhi.bio. It's not .com. It's not .org. It's .bio. And uh, there you'll see the manifesto about what RHI is all about. So, Michelle, tell us what uh, prompted you to uh, start this initiative. Well, Ron, it, it was birthed from this idea that I had a very profound sense of dissatisfaction where we were headed in health, you know, kind of magnified on steroids by the pandemic. My dissatisfaction stemmed from the fact that we were being um, cattled into a certain narrative, which didn't necessarily agree with all our narratives, and away, more toward pharma and away from food and other um you know, nutrient approaches toward uh, immune function, towards health, towards our own general well-being. So, however, I didn't want to get into a negative way of doing this. I wanted to get into a positive, uh, food-forward, solutions-based way 
that we can shift the narrative and create a, the, the paradigm. Gosh, we didn't invent this. I think Hippocrates may have talked about food as medicine. Um, into our consciousness and re-educate ourselves on how we do that. So that's what sort of was the impetus for getting uh, Regeneration Health going. This actually fits in with something that uh, I have been pondering during the pandemic, uh, which is the notion that uh, we concentrate so much on the pathogen, on find a bug, use a drug, or use a vaccine. Uh, And indeed, those approaches (coughs) can be, excuse me, can be helpful, uh, but uh, what we have found is that they are—they've got limitations, and so we need to go back to the ancient notion of uh, furthering the terrain so that we can build our resilience and our resistance. And you know, this pandemic—it's kind of a teachable moment, isn't it? It really exposes our vulnerability. Indeed, and I echo what you just shared, Ron. And I too support the fact that you know there's the Pasteur versus Beauchamp. Pasteur was kill the bug, Beauchamp was support the terrain, and then probably it's a bit of both. But I, too, now have gotten back to, well, gee, what's the underlying soil like, the soil of our bodies? Are, are we robust? Are we uh, nutrient-poor, nutrient-rich? Uh, um, are we? How's our microbiome? How are those little helpers? So I am also am embracing this idea that we have to support the, um, the, the, the external factors, as, as well as I like, you know, you know, go after the bug, drug for bug. I think I might have to use that, Ron, you know. Um, and that approach does, it can help, but it doesn't always work. And I also wanted to kind of veer off this idea that we're born with an absence of uh, vaccines, that, um, you know, without vaccines, you know, there's just a, a death and despair. Um, and I sort of bring that up because I make it clear from the onset I'm not anti-vax. I am pro um, child, I'm pro family, I'm pro health, I'm pro well being, and only bring in pharmaceutical interventions when they're absolutely indicated. And once we've maximized and optimized our um, our best health through nutrition and our diet. And, and you're certainly bucking the trend as a pediatrician because uh, I have uh, relatives who are uh, pediatricians, and uh, you know I, I avoid the topic of vaccines because it's always going to be. It's always going to end badly <laughs> because <laughs> they're staunch proponents of vaccines. And, and that's because, you know, really for a well child, uh, as a pediatrician, there's not a heck of a lot you can do, uh, you know, except talk about vitamins, diet, things like that, which they're not inclined to do, except uh, to be sort of a way station to administer vaccines, uh, which they believe are the mainstay of preserving children's health. And I think I have veered off that because, you know, uh, when I when I understood, you know, 20 years ago what GMOs and pesticides were doing to our diets and our health, and when I really started understanding epigenetics and when I under, started understanding the microbiome, you know, our process as integrative practitioners, you know, is taking kind of decades for us to get here. Um, you know, my I there's so much we can talk with families, especially in the beginning, about how we maximize the microbial inheritance from mom to to baby. How do we maximize our our epigenetics? You know, which are those little proteins that sit on top of our genes and direct our health. How do we maximize our brain function and steer away from this trend uh, trend of neurocognitive uh, chaos that's you know bombarding our children? So there are so many things we can cover in a well child visit and you know just vaccinating them with 72 vaccines by five years old i don't think there's wisdom there you know um 
the, the driver of chronic disease are environmental toxicants in whatever form they come in, what you're eating, what you're injecting, or what you're breathing, what you're drinking. Indeed. That's what's making children sick. So we have to look at the source of where it comes from. And for me, everything's on the table, Ron. All, all sources are on the table when we look at why our kids are chronically ill. Uh, you talk a lot in uh, your manifesto that introduces uh, RHI, Regeneration Health International, about regenerative uh, agriculture. Uh, can you uh, frame the discussion on that? What, what's it all about? Uh, and why is it uh, advantageous over uh, industrialized uh, farms? You know, so, so, you know, we, I think everybody's very familiar with the idea of organic. And if you eat organic, you don't eat pesticides, you don't eat GMOs, and you eat chemically free food. However, what we don't talk about is the nutrient density or the microbial makeup of organics. And not all organics are created equal. You can grow organic crops and have soil that is deplete of nutrients. Um, and, you know, and the plants are doing poorly, although they are free from chemical inputs. So there's a better way to approach this, and that's regenerative, where we actually replenish soil. It's not dirt. It's soil. It's alive. It's full of microbes, fungi, bacteria. It has a host of uh, a, a huge microbial community, analogous to our own, you know, uh, microbes like in our in our gut. And that via this regeneration of our soil, we create better plants, better nutrients for ourselves. And remember... Um, the, that that soil can help offset um, uh, uh, carbon dioxide sequestration, um, and so this is it's just kind of a win-win. There is you know CO two sequestration uh, when you have healthy soil, and healthy soil. Remember, we don't we don't eat alone. We eat in a web. The same bugs are eating those plants and and birds and 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 you know and so it's a web. So we are all being sustained when we regenerate and then we focus on that, our soil, our plants, the ecosystem, and our own health. We receive most of our phytonutrients from plants. So that when plants are in their best shape, we're in our best shape. and our plants are better, we do better. It's, it's symbiotic. It's homo- homeostasis. It's, it's balance. It's the way it's supposed to be. Where we, we treasure, you know, not to sound so corny here, Ron, but we treasure Mother Earth. And that's what we need to get back to. And that's what we're bringing back. And we just have some amazing people doing that with us. You know, here I am. I'm a gal from New York City, Ron, okay? Yep. Didn't exactly grow up, you know, on the farmstead. And so it's like, well, how am I talking about regeneration? Well, we work collaboratively with regenerative farmers, they're on our team, with scientists, with artists, with lawyers, we're all working together. And so we have, uh, we're the sister organization to Regeneration International that's linked to over 400 different communities of farmers and eaters globally. And this, we're trying to rebuild this sustainable paradigm on how we recreate what we've, what we've lost. And I'm not saying what we're losing. I think we've lost it and we've got to bring it back. I'm going to give you a chance to uh, rebut uh, a critique of organic farming that recently appeared in the Wall Street Journal. I was quite uh, appalled by it, Uh, but it comes from uh, a pretty prominent guy, Jorn Lomborg, who, by the way, uh, is a critic of uh, uh, the global warming paradigm and climate change. He says it's not that bad uh, and that uh, humans could adapt to it. But I was surprised that uh, he took aim at organic farming in an op-ed last month. 
uh, with the title of Ukraine Crisis Reveals the Folly of Organic Farming. Uh, He says in this article, cover your ears, (laughs) organic farming is ineffective, land hungry and very expensive, and it would leave billions hungry if it were embraced. For years, politicians and the chattering classes have argued that organic organic farming is the responsible way to feed the world. European Union pushed last year for members roughly to triple organic farming by 2030 because organic agriculture shirks many of the scientific advancements that have allowed farmers to increase crop yields. It's inherently less efficient than conventional farming. Research has conclusively shown that organic farming produces less food per acre than conventional agriculture, etc., etc., etc. And what he's saying is that, okay, the Ukraine crisis, there's not enough uh, fertilizer, uh, there's not enough fuel. And uh, and that is uh, somehow, you know, uh, you know, never, you know, uh, let's take advantage of this crisis to uh, to ramp up our conventional agriculture. Wow. I wonder what playbook he went to. Oh, that's been debunked like a million times. Um, You know, this idea that um, conventional farming outperforms. When we talk about conventional farming, we're talking about GMOs because most of the, the main crops that we use in the U.S. are genetically modified. Mm-hmm. And so remember that GMO crops, you don't eat that without their associated pesticides. And because of weed resistance, and 75% of crops right now are resistant in the U.S. to GMOs, so we have to use more toxic formulations of pesticides and um, more complicated genetically engineered crops to withstand the spraying of the pesticides so the crop doesn't die. The main things in our diets, like corn, soy, canola, cottonseed oils, um, alfalfa, um, and are all modified for the most part. Mm-hmm. And remember, we use these pesticides as desiccants on off-label spraying to dry out crops, which just basically kills them. So, um, so we've used more toxic chemicals. These toxic chemicals are not benign. We could have a two-hour discussion on this, and I know we've covered this in the past. Mm-hmm. So... The initially in the first couple of years of growing GMO crops, there are in a slightly increased yield, but then it goes down significantly after that. Farmers have to do so much to these seeds to get them to produce that they have to spend way more on inputs to get these seeds to produce. Not to mention these seeds have to be rebought every year. And they have to buy them with the chemicals. So it costs farmers an extraordinary amount of money and they basically kill the soil. So that's one thing. Number two is they require more water. This idea that organic requires more water has been shown to be not true. Conventional crops require more water, these uh, conventionally grown crops. So that's not true. Also, um, you these, this idea of fertilizer shortage, well, when you convert to um, organics, it takes several years to convert these plots over. And eventually, with time, through crop rotations and planting crops in succession, you don't need these uh, nitrogen fertilizers, which cause chaos in our riverbeds, et cetera, from um, over-pollution, from uh, runoff. From, uh, and many um, of which uh, originate runoff. from uh, Russia uh, and require uh, fossil fuels for their application. Absolutely. So this is all this has all been debunked, and this is actually not true. So these are old arguments. Um, where they're coming from, I don't know. I'd like to see who, you know, who paid this guy. Yeah. You know, once you start going back a few times on the Internet to see, like, what's the real source of mm-hmm. these organizations, right. you, you get to it and you see where they are. It, it's likely and, that know, he may have been funded by, uh, you know, uh, big ag, uh, you know, uh, agribusiness. 
uh, and the, and the chem the chemical business, because sometimes these people become spokespersons for organizations which promote uh, you know industrialized farming. Absolutely, and the whole idea behind you know RHI is what we're doing is to get away from chemical farming and chemical inputs. And what what folks don't know is when you eat a conventionally grown crop, yes, you're eating some kind of glyphosate-based herbicide, which is some type of Roundup or other brand, but there's an average of at least six pesticides on your crop. And actually, some of them are even more toxic than Roundup, as if that's not bad enough, like the fungicides. So you're eating a chemical soup. And we have, now with the over 100,000 chemicals in the environment, we have no documentation of what happens when you eat this blend of pesticides on your strawberries. No documentation of the toxic effects of uh, these polyagricultural blends on health. It's disastrous. I just read a paper today from April on showing how glyphosate, main ingredient Roundup, kills off your microbiome. Just read it today. Put it Mm -hmm. up on my Facebook page. So this stuff we know. Um, So that shame on the Wall Street Journal. Yes, they need to share their opinions too. But give us a chance to for a good rebuttal. Um, So we can come back and say, look, here's our data. And the stuff we produce, Ron, we have data to support all of it. Maybe take a crack at it because, uh, you know, you're heading up a responsible organization that has a lot of constituents and that may carry some weight in uh, getting some uh, uh, some editorial space for uh, for rebuttal or for a contrary view. I, I, would, I think that's a great idea. You think they would publish us? I wonder. We should, Maybe we should do a, a joint piece. Uh, Ron, uh, you know, let's think about it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I'll send you the original article. which just appeared a couple of weeks ago. Um, so what, we just had a question from uh, a listener. We do a, a Q&A uh, podcast uh, every week. And uh, this, the substance of the question was, uh, what really is the definition of organic? Does it mean no pesticides, zero pesticides? Does it, mean, does it preclude GMOs? Uh, can you be assured of not uh, being exposed to uh, uh, GMO uh, uh, products if you if you buy organic? And and how rigorously is it enforced? Is there is there cheating sometimes? Well, these are you know this is the most common question I hear when I you know when I when I'm lecturing, and if you eat organic, you are not eating GMOs and their associated pesticides. However, according to the USDA. Five to nine percent of crops have been uh, contaminated, cross-contaminated mm-hmm. organic from GMO fields. Because mm-hmm. remember, many of these fields are literally side by side, and and they're and the wind, birds, mm-hmm. uh, rain are cross-contaminating fields. So you can get some GMO contamination, and so they do allow a certain amount of it. I don't think I'm not sure there's anything as a pure crop unless you have some farm out there with mm-hmm. nothing in your surrounds, you know, around your organic farm. I'm not sure that's possible anymore. Um, so, yes, there will be no GMOs, no pesticides in your organic. It is monitored by the Oregon Tilth. And so they do a very good job of monitoring to make sure that there are no GMOs and pesticides in your organic food. Now, having said that, when certain organics come from other countries, what I have been concerned about myself and have researched is whether they get sprayed when they come into port. 
Mm. I don't, I, I wonder that myself. Mm-hmm. You know, they sometimes spray them down and I hope that's not true. Um, and I've been unable to verify that maybe this will be another opportunity for me to look into this again about whether that's true. But, you know, you want to buy local anyway. You don't want things being shipped from Chile when you live in California, 8,000 miles away. Eat local. Right. Um, which, which lowers your carbon right. footprint anyway, if that's the goal, right? Absolutely. Buy, grow it yourself. Go to your farmer's market. Know your farmer. Um, and so this is what I tell folks to do all the time. And, and that's what we need to do. We need to eat in season. Indeed. Uh, Indeed. And so, so, you know, what you said actually kind of echoes what I said, which is that you're, you, it's risk reduction and you're mitigating the harm from pesticides and GMOs. But because uh, some of these chemicals are so pervasive in the environment, uh, merely because the farmers don't deliberately spray them on the crops, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that uh, there's not some, you know, from the air, the water, the adjacent fields, uh, and that, uh, you know, there may be some minimal, you know, maybe single digit uh, uh, presence of some of these uh, undesirable uh, chemicals and products. Absolutely. And, you know, what I also tell folks is when you eat an organic crop, chances are that water they use has been contaminated, especially here in California, where we have to dig. We've been in drought for so long. We've dug deep. And a lot of this groundwater is now contaminated where they're pulling out. Um, and so, gosh knows, I know they're not using filtration systems in a lot of this water, although we should, um, even if you're growing in your own yard. When you, when you put your hose irrigation on, Mm-hmm. Um, hard to know because that water's not been filtrated. Right. I don't know. You can get your water tested. Um, I've gotten mine tested, um, and your local water board will often test your water at a, a low cost. I think mine costs $50, I believe, mm-hmm. to see if there – we did not test for pesticides. I went and looked. So, you know, so it turns out that even if you uh, are not taking medication, you're probably getting a, a small dose of some uh, Lexapro, some uh, Viagra, uh, and maybe some uh, statin drugs, uh, you know, along with Along with, with some birth water. control pills. Exactly. Some messages. Yeah. Too. Um, absolutely. I, I can do a whole seminar, I think, on biosludge and using wastewater for fertilizer, which is done all across America. And they're not screened for pharmacy. There are all sorts of drugs in our in our food. If you do, That's another reason. Organic farms do not use biosludge, which is nothing more than human waste, which to me is the worst possible idea. Because remember, Ron, in 1986, we used to dump waste in the ocean. The solution to pollution Yikes. was dilution. Yikes. We stopped doing that. So then we took that and we made it into fertilizer, human waste, and it's called biosludge. So if your listeners want to really have their stomachs flipped, watch the movie Biosludged. Ooh, okay. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. Dr. Doom and Gloom talking again. Yeah. Too close to lunchtime, I'm afraid. All right. So, okay. On that happy note, uh, let's pause because we divide our podcast into two parts. We're talking about uh, uh, regenerative agriculture. Uh, We're talking about uh, a return to uh, more basic principles of agriculture, of uh, health uh, optimization. Uh, The initiative is called uh, RHI. Uh, Regeneration Health International just been launched by today's guest along with uh, collaborators, uh, some of whom uh, you've heard on this program. I, I believe Stephanie Seneff, who's uh, been a contributor here on Intelligent Medicine, is also on your board. Um, and so 
um, at Joseph Mercola as well. The Mercola organization is also uh, uh, taking part uh, in RHI. Uh, you get more information about them at uh, rhi.bio, appropriately enough. It's not .org. It's not .com. Uh, and you can find out about uh, what they're up to. And I think it's uh, well worth uh, getting behind this initiative to save our planet and to save our health and the health of our children. Uh, Dr. Michelle Perro, our guest, she's a pediatrician spearheading this initiative. We'll be back with more of today's Intelligent Medicine podcast. <laughs> 